0: Open the eyes of mine. I'm free. church. Stand up and sing with us. So I'm lifting up my hand Lord
1: Father, we're grateful for our time together tonight and pray that you continue to speak to our hearts and transform us by the power of your grace. God, I thank you for these Bible study leaders who have given testimony tonight of just an opportunity to invest and disciple others. So I just pray that you would put your hand on each one of them, fill them with your Holy Spirit, and use them in the days ahead to accomplish your purposes. God, I pray for the ladies as well as the men's studies That you would uh, really visit them in a unique way and um, grow each one of us. God, we want to be spiritually fit for your service. And we pray that we continue to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And we're going to give you glory for that. And Father, also I just pray specifically for a couple of things that have been mentioned to me tonight. One is Matika over Moldova. God, I pray that your hand be on him now as he has um, experienced difficulty with his back and is hurting. I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd minister a touch to him. God, I ask that he would uh, really be able to sense right now just the moving of your spirit in his own soul as we pray for him tonight. And God, I pray as well that you place a hedge of protection around him, granting him the grace and really set charge your divine angels to give him... Uh, just the comfort that he needs during these particular hours. And God, also I pray specifically uh, just for our church family that you continue to give us hearts to hear your word and to obey. And we'll give you glory for it. In Jesus Christ's name that we pray and everybody said, amen. Holy
0: Spirit pray now. Pray Lord. Stand on it as truth. Oh, Father, speak to our hearts this morning. I heard this morning, tonight. Speak to us. Let us hear what you desire for us to hear. Open the eyes of our heart. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. You can
1: be seated. Amen. Thank you, James. You brought a Bible with you. Say amen. And let me invite you to open it with me to Luke chapter 3 tonight. Luke chapter 3, we're going to look together at verses 15 through 20. 15 through 20. So Luke chapter 3, as we continue our subject entitled Astonished, all right? Astonished. I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of God's Word this evening. Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. The Bible says, Now while the people were in a state of expectation, and all were wondering in their hearts about John the Baptist, as to whether he was the Christ, John answered and said to them, As for me, I baptize you with water. But one is coming who is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. And he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations he preached the gospel to the people, But when Herod the tetriarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all of the wicked things which Herod had done, Herod also added this to them all, he locked John up in prison. So let's bow together. Father, this is your word. We pray that it would now get down into the deep recesses of our heart and change us for your namesake. And we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray and everybody said, amen. And you can be seated. Well, in humility, John the Baptist is quieting the rumors that he may be the long-awaited Messiah of God. In fact, he says, as for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I. The term mightier speaks to the coming Messiah as being greater in power and authority than John the Baptist. It's almost as if John the Baptist is saying, you think I have power and authority? Wait until the true Messiah comes. And then he says, I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with water and with fire. Now this morning we looked at the sandals, but tonight I want us to look at that second phrase for just a moment where he says, he will baptize you with water and fire. Well, the word baptism is a word which speaks specifically of immersion under the water, as well as being a term used to describe washing. So really you could call John, not only John the Baptist, but if you wanted to and be correct, you could call him John the Washer. However, in this text, although Jesus has not entered the scene yet, we're introduced to the reality of the Lord Jesus' ministry. So tonight we're going to see three major truths about the ministry of Jesus. First, we'll see his ministry defined. Then we will see how his ministry both compels some and also repels others. So let me go ahead and give you the first little statement there, his ministry defined. The prophet, mightier than John, would come to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Here we see the twofold ministry of Jesus Christ lay bare open before us. He will baptize, that is, immerse with the Holy Spirit, and he will baptize, that is, immerse with fire. So let's first consider for a moment the reality that Jesus Christ will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And the comparison that John the Baptist gives us serves as a good picture of what baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. When John baptized, he would immerse people into the water. Well, in a like manner, when Jesus would baptize, he would immerse people into the Holy Spirit. Baptism into the Holy Spirit was a mark of the ministry of Jesus. However, as we study the life and ministry of Jesus together in Luke's gospel, we will discover that he never baptized anyone in the Holy Spirit. It's not that he had forgotten what he was supposed to be doing. It was simply that the time of the baptism had not yet come. Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit's work in the lives of believers in anticipation. He said that it would occur after he was gone from the earth. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, Jesus tells us this. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you. And will one day be in you. So Jesus makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit is not absent from the life of his disciples. But the Spirit literally is with them. However, there will be a baptism of the Holy Spirit which will occur when he has gone on from the earth. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit will be in you, says the Lord. Now Jesus said in the book of Acts, also written by Luke, by the way. He says in Luke chapter, or Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, For John baptized you with water. And by the way, this is just before the ascension. John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This, of course, happened 10 days after Jesus' ascension into heaven. Pentecost. It was awesome. Acts chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says, And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. This was the event which marked the first baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 and 4 tells us, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, progressing in the book of Acts, we see the ministry of Jesus baptizing many people in the Holy Spirit. Peter, having been baptized by the Holy Spirit himself at Pentecost, preached the gospel at the home of a Gentile named Cornelius. He recounted what occurred in that moment in Acts chapter 11 and verse 15 saying this, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as He did upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord. Listen, this is awesome. This is what Peter said. And then I remembered the word of the Lord, how He used to say, John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. See, it was the ministry of Jesus baptizing people in the Holy Spirit which brought unity to the New Testament church. Cornelius' baptism in the Holy Spirit was a marker for both Jew and Gentile becoming one body in the Lord Jesus Christ, having all been baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter talks about the ministry of baptism and through the Spirit as it pertained to the new Gentile convert in Acts 11 and verse 17. Listen to what Peter says. Therefore, if God gave to them the gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? What is Peter talking about? He's saying, hey, if God gave the Gentiles the Holy Spirit, just as he gave the Holy Spirit to us, who was I to get into the way of what God was doing? By the way, there was this, you know, this big, huge divide between Jew and Gentile and Greek, etc. And so listen, if the Holy Spirit didn't come and baptize people and bring them together in unity, there would have never been unity. But the Holy Spirit brought them together. See, the ministry of Jesus defined for us by John the Baptist in Luke's gospel would be significant in the establishment of the New Testament church, which was birthed, by the way, in the book of Acts. Those who were baptized in the Holy Spirit were a unified body of believers in Jesus Christ as Lord. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, For by one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of the same Spirit. You know, Paul also writes in Ephesians 4 and verse 5, There is one Lord, there is one faith, and there's one baptism. And The baptism he's speaking there is about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So according to the New Testament church, this is a or the New Testament, this is a ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we are baptized into the Holy Spirit at the moment we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The gift of the Spirit's baptism is granted to us by Jesus Christ Himself. This baptism is a one time event in which the Spirit of God takes up residence in a person's life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit marks a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord to be genuine in a person's life. If you do not have the Holy Spirit in your life, you have not been genuinely converted to Christ. Or I could say it and be theologically correct. If you have not been baptized by the Holy Spirit, you have not been saved. Paul writes in Romans 8 and 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, if they don't have the Spirit, then he does not belong to Christ. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's an event which occurs at the moment of salvation. So at a very young age, only seven years old, I prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Repenting of my sin trusting in his death burial, and resurrection as payment for my sin and in that moment I didn't realize it then, uh, but I realize it now in that moment. Jesus Christ baptized me in the Holy Spirit It's a work of the Lord Jesus. It's a one-time event by the way. You don't need to be uh, Rebaptized in the Holy Spirit Y'all out there and so uh, and I would say to you I've been encouraged to be uh, baptized again in the Holy Spirit Uh, By some folks. I remember preaching a revival down in South Georgia. It always happens in South Georgia, but I was down In South Georgia and uh, they introduced me to this particular lady that I was uh, to share the gospel with But she said she already had a relationship with the Lord next thing I knew she was asking me if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit I said yes, ma'am baptized in the Holy Spirit today I prayed to receive the Lord and uh, she said no 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 I'm talking about the second baptism if you've got the second baptism if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and I said ma'am I didn't want to argue with her. But anyway, so I talked with her a little bit about what baptism in the Holy Spirit was. She stopped me, and she said, hey, I know a boy. He's a preacher. He lives out deep in the woods. If you want to go and meet him, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I thought to myself, first of all, I ain't going out in the middle of the woods. Y'all all right? That scares me to death, ma'am. So anyway, I just prayed for and left. But um, listen, don't everybody, don't let anyone shirk you into thinking you do not have the Spirit of God. If you've been saved, the Spirit of God lives within you. If the Spirit of God does not live within you, you have not been saved. And there's no second blessing. I don't have time to get into all that tonight. There is no second blessing. Everybody's like, you got the second blessing? Look, the first one was sufficient. Y'all all right? So that's good. Now. John says, and this is huge here, and I want you to get it, the Holy Spirit unifies the New Testament church and makes us, although physically separate, we are spiritually unified. You know, Matika, I've only met him one time, but a a great man of God, from what I understand, who's uh, preaching the gospel over in Moldova. This is an individual. He and I don't have an opportunity to hang out with one another, but guess what? We're unified. Well, why are you unified? The Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that is in Him is also in me. And when we come together, there is unity immediately. Although, listen, He's of a completely different descent. We're all now. From the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ that's what unifies us now John says one's coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit however the ministry of Jesus does not stop there John writes he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and then notice what your Bible says and with fire so Jesus will not only immerse some in the Holy Spirit but this text makes it plain that he will also immerse some into the fire Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs in the life of believers. However, the baptism in the fire, according to this text, is for unbelievers. The word here for fire speaks directly of the judgment of God, which will ultimately be dispensed as a ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And please remember that the context of John the Baptist's preaching has already been the judgment of the Lord. There's a continual eschatological undertone to his preaching. That is, his message spoke of impending judgment to be brought upon the unrepentant. This is why he asked those coming to be baptized what they were doing. He's like, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? What what are you doing here? As well, he spoke of those who were not bearing fruit as dead trees who needed to be cut down and thrown into the fire. We looked at that this morning. Clearly, John the Baptist has already established the clarity of his message of fire and would thus characterizing the impending judgment in the comparison of Jesus baptizing in the Holy Spirit and in the fire. Now we know the ultimate judgment of unbelievers will be indeed fire as it is written in the book of Revelation They were cast into the lake of fire Those who are not genuine converts are baptized into a lake of fire This is not an act of purifying But rather this is one of eternal punishment for rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord Now this fits with what Jesus states in Luke's gospel chapter 12 verse 49 through 53 And listen to this Jesus says, I have come to cast fire down upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Are y'all listening? And then he says this, but I have a baptism to undergo. He's speaking about his death and his burial and his resurrection. I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose, Jesus says, that I came to grant peace on the earth? (laughs) Are y'all out there? Jesus, did you think I came to bring peace on the earth? I tell you no, but rather division. From now on, five members of one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. There will be divided father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Are y'all listening? We often don't hear about this text of Scripture. Jesus has come to bring division. What in the world does this mean? Well, dividing lines will ultimately come because of the twofold ministry of Jesus to baptize in the Holy Spirit and to baptize in fire. The division is marked between the believer and the unbeliever. Furthermore, John the Baptist continues the judgment theme in verse 17. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Y'all see the context here, don't you? So, the first time I ever... uh, saw someone cleaning a threshing floor I was overseas a large piece of fabric laid out in an open field and upon the fabric was wheat that had been pulled from the stalk so it was all piled up there and this man would take a big fork and uh, it's just a large pitch for basically and he would pick the wheat up and he would throw it up into the air and as the wind blew and it was wild because it's in this open space but as he threw it up and the wind blew you could clearly see what looked like dust separating from the wheat as it floated off into the distance I even got in on the action and y'all listening? and I ran over and said let me try that give me that fork but anyway so I was out there threshing the floor that's what I was doing it was like John the Baptist y'all listening it was awesome y'all should have seen me <laughs> picking that weed up throwing it and That stuff just taking off it's a picture of the second part of Jesus's ministry as told by John the Baptist his winnowing fork is being used to clear the threshing floor picture Piled up the threshing floor, the whole of humanity, everyone. Jesus throws us into the air, and those who are unrepented and unconverted are individuals who are blown away by the wind. All that remains upon the floor are the repentant and the converted. Jesus then gathers the wheat, that is the true converts, and brings them into his barn. And by the way, you want to be in his barn. However, the shaft, it is burned with unquenchable fire. This, once again, is a picture of judgment. You know, that's interesting. You begin to think about uh, the glory of God, speaking about his weight, uh, the weightiness of who he is, and then, obviously, the Holy Spirit, is uh, depiction and personality of the glory of God, his weight, and that whenever you are baptized into the Holy Spirit, The glory of God takes up residence in your heart. There's weight there. And then whenever this winnowing fork comes and throws us up, only those who have the weight of the glory of God will remain. Y'all out there, say yes. Now, what's more, Jesus did not baptize anyone in the Holy Spirit during his life and ministry upon the earth. In the same manner, this is wild, in the same manner, Jesus did not baptize anyone with fire during his life and ministry upon the earth either. It's not that he didn't say, good night, I can throw some fire down. While the baptism of the Holy Spirit began at Pentecost and still occurs today, that is when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. There will also come a time in the future when Jesus is finished with baptizing in the Holy Spirit, and then he'll start baptizing with fire. This will be at the final judgment. Jesus divides. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There's the baptism. So listen, please, listen closely. Right now, are y'all listening and say yes? This is wild. Right now, Jesus is baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. However, there is coming a time in the nearer future in which he will begin to baptize people into fire. And that's a short definition of Jesus' ministry. But then I give you the second little statement here. His ministry compels us. His ministry compels us. John wasn't some mean-spirited prophet running around talking about the judgment of God upon those who didn't believe just to rub people the wrong way. He was actually concerned about people and their eternal destination. He wanted people to respond to the Messiah who was to come. He wanted them to repent of their sin and surrender to the lordship of the Messiah. John the Baptist, he was on a mission, and the mission was given to him by God. And then verse 18, look at your Bible. So with many other exhortations, he preached the gospel to the people. Now, the word exhortation, it speaks of an earnestness to which John the Baptist was warning people of the coming judgment of the unrepentant. It really speaks directly of his boldness is what it does. Now, based upon the fact, and y'all got to listen to this, this is wild, but based upon the fact that Jesus' ministry is to baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire, to save the convert and ultimately judge the unrepentant, we... All right. you and I who know Christ, we should be compelled to share the good news. Paul states that the call of the, un, or rather, the call of the converted is to do just that. We are compelled by the love of Christ to warn people of impending judgment and call them to faith in Jesus Christ. So he says in Second Corinthians chapter five, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you. Beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. See, the more that I think about the fact that there's a baptism of fire coming for people, the more I am compelled to talk to people about how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It compels us. Y'all all all right? Let me give y'all the third point his ministry repels some so his ministry compels us who are converted but his ministry also repels some individuals some people have a massive problem with the teaching or preaching of Jesus as one who will bring about judgment upon the unbelieving not everyone enjoyed John the Baptist confrontation of sin and their need to repent case in point verse 19 and 20 in Luke chapter 3 when Herod, the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and he became of all the wicked things which Herod had done, Herod also added to them that he locked John up in prison. See, John was quite clear about the sinfulness of even those in the political realm and encouraged them to repent. <laughs> it's a bold joker, y'all all right? John the Baptist is basically saying, Herod, you're committing adultery, man. You're sleeping with your brother's wife. You need to repent. Are y'all listening? I mean, that's a message to somebody high up in the political realm, is it not? He was jumping on him, boy. Herod didn't like it so much. Y'all listening? And um, eventually his head was cut off. Y'all listening? John the Baptist, that is. Herod's will be baptized into fire. Y'all listening? Well, John was quite clear about the sinfulness. And look, the declaration of the gospel in our culture is not always going to go over so well. People aren't going to throw you a big party because you are bold with them about the gospel. You're a sinner. If you don't repent of your sin, you're going to die and spend eternal separation from God in a real place called hell. People don't like that message. Like, talk to me about the Jesus of love. Listen, you wouldn't know the love of God if you didn't understand the just nature of God. You would never understand his love. But when you have the love of God sitting beside the just nature of God, it just makes the love of God so much larger. And so we talk about the just nature of God, and we encourage people to repent of their sin and come to faith in Jesus, and not everybody enjoys it. I don't know if I've told you all this before, but I do remember sharing the gospel at the Art Institute of Atlanta to their world religion class, and in the process of telling everybody in the room that they were uh, sinners, basically lying, thieving, merciless, adulterers of heart, had to face God on Judgment Day. They didn't like that. Are y'all listening? And uh, while I was sharing this, one lady in the back pulling her hair, literally to the point she was pulling it out of her head. Hey, hey, listen, I, I didn't come up with the message. You, you know what I'm saying? We, all of us, we're just male men and male women. We just deliver the mail, man. That's all we do. Here's what the message is, and I want to encourage you to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not everybody likes the message, though. But here's the deal I think what happens is whenever we realize a lot of people don't like the message, we shirk from sharing it, and uh, that's sin. There will be some who will lock you away for your message. Now, you say, well, I ain't been put in prison. Well, they may lock you away from their friendships. They may ostracize you in the workplace. They may put you on the side even in the family. Lock you up. They want to get you out of sight, out of mind. Why? Because your life reminds them of the message of God's wrath and their need, great need, of salvation. And it bothers people. But that's what his ministry does. It repels some people. Are y'all listening? But that's the deal. So John the Baptist really is just a great picture of what you and I all be prepared to do as followers of Jesus Christ. We look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus. He baptizes in the Holy Spirit. He baptizes in fire. And that ministry compels us, man. But it also repels others. But we go anyway. Let's bow together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word tonight.